Well, hello, oddballs. It's your host, Bobby. And your co-host, Lexi. And this is Oddities on Elm Streets. We are on episode 16. Can you please say it in Spanish every time? Yeah, I'll also give you the week number. How about that? Hey, we are currently oh in God. week eight, and you'll be hearing this week nine. You just I forgot wait. you have this lovely talent of yours. Yes. So y'all are going to be informed. Lovely. We're just going to, it's crazy because all of a sudden you're like, whoa, we, last time I said it, it was what, week 52? Can you believe that? It's almost March. No, wow. I can't. Me neither. Time flies. Show does. I feel old. We are. Yes. All right. So um, before we get started, because this is this is a very uh, <coughs> what's a what's a better word for long? <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah. Really I, long. I <laughs> it's very long. This, this is a very long episode. There's a lot of info. Yeah, and um, we may have to split it into two episodes. Mm -hmm. So if you're not already on our Patreon, the if we do end up having to do part two, then I'll put the second part up before the public gets to see it. That's right. And also on our Patreon, we did a mini episode last week. Mm -hmm. We have some bloopers up. And let me tell you, those, those you are get gold. The, you get the raw Lexi yeah. and Bob... Yeah. Raw. And then I also created that private email address where you can send in any topic your little heart desires. So go on over there. I'll have it linked in the podcast description. And listenertales at gmail.com. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, you got a so link. You, that's what you don't do. I know. I know. You I need to. You got to be like, yeah, you find me on TikTok at Oddities on Elm Street. <laughs> I was going to say Bobby Curtis Lee. <laughs> well, it is. And well, then the other one, and yeah. then, you know, yeah. there's a lot. But Link yeah, so shit. we got like a few already that I've got to sort through. But if you have a spooky story that you'd like us to tell on the podcast, then please send it to listenertales at gmail.com. And it doesn't have to necessarily be spooky, right? It can be scary. Oh, or, well. You know, well, because I think that. I told my dad, I was like, do you got anything? And he's like, not really scary or spooky kind of. I was like, what about that one time that you almost died? Yeah, we want to hear about that. <laughs> yeah. What? So, Him any, and I are going to have a conversation. Anything that falls into the category of. Oh, oh God. Yeah. What we do here. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. if you listen, then you'll know. You get so. it. You get it. You get it. All right, well, let's jump right into this because it's a doozy. We're going to be talking about Willie Picton. <laughs> Robert William Picton. Yeah, Robert William Picton was born October 24th, 1949. Wouldn't that make him like a Scorpio? I can look. <laughs> I think so. I think it is. October 24th? Yeah. I think after the 21st, it's Scorpio season. You right. So he was indeed a Scorpio. Not that it matters. But. You know, my, what are the three main ones? You got your 
sun, moon, and rising. Mm-hmm. Is that it? Yeah. My moon and rising are both Scorpio. Really? Yes. I don't think I have any Scorpio in my chart I have at all. You. I am Gemini sun, Aries moon, Capricorn rising. Aries moon checks out. <laughs> Does it? <laughs> Is that a, a good thing? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I like I like my woman fiery. <laughs> All right. So Robert William Picton, he was born to Leonard and Louise Picton. They owned a pig farm in Port Coquitlam, which is about 17 miles east of Vancouver, Canada. This pig farm was, it was pretty well known during this time, mainly because of how it appeared. It was pretty disheveled it had like broken down cars everywhere there were mounds of dirt that i think they i think they had like a dirt hauling company or something but everything looked pretty like dilapidated mm-hmm. and um some of the local people said it looked more like a junkyard than yeah. a farm i mean you look at pictures and you're like yeah oh yeah you, you gotta see this place it's just can't wrap my head around it mm-hmm. i don't know mm-hmm. Um, So, unfortunately, though, this style of conduct carried over into the children's lives as as well. Willie was the middle child. He had an older sister named Linda, and he had a younger brother named David. Linda, because she was a girl, she was sent off to live with relatives in Vancouver because the parents thought that it was inappropriate to raise a girl with that type of lifestyle. So... Willie and David, they were forced to work long hours. Usually tending to animals was more of a priority over their own needs. Those needs being like, you know, healthy hygiene and uh, actually having a childhood. So having clean clothes and regular showers, that was a, a pretty foreign idea to the brothers and I guess Willie actually had an irrational fear of showers. Interesting. Just from the way that he was raised. And the brothers would only bathe, like, once a week. And remember, they're, like, shoveling manure. Yeah, they're not sitting at a computer. Yeah. Oi. As you can imagine, the kids in school were awful to the Picton boys. They would specifically call... Willie things like stinky piggy. Um, And one of his earliest memories comes from around the age of two or three. He was living in a converted chicken coop in the winter. Supposedly, his mother said he cried too much at night. So she kept him in there for almost a year until he learned how to stop crying at night. Yeah. So he said that if he got thirsty, he would have to lift up his floorboards and scoop up some water from a natural spring that ran underneath this chicken coop. And that was the only form of running water they had in the house during this time. So um, that kind of... They're just cooking up a recipe. hmm? Yeah. Kind of puts things into perspective. Yeah, so during school, Willie was put in what we would now consider special education classes, and his family later wondered if his 
traumatic birth had something to do with his behavior later in life because he was born with the umbilical cord wrapped around his neck. So his family thought that this may have caused some type of brain damage. But on top of the special education classes, he was also held back in the second grade and he recorded an audio diary. <laughs> Did you yeah. listen to it? An audio diary or the, yeah. the book? The audio diary that he created. Okay. No, because I I was looking at the the book that was like supposedly smuggled out of prison that Amazon was selling and then pulled it because people were freaking outraged. Oh my god, no, I didn't even hear of that. No, yeah. this was in nineteen ninety one. So ah, this was no, before no he Amazon. went to prison. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no okay. no Amazon by then. <laughs> so he recorded this audio diary back in ninety one. He said that he was going to school for just two days a week and then was working on the farm five days a week before he dropped out of school. He also, in this audio diary, told the story of a calf that he raised as a young boy. Oh God, this is... Um, it's so sad. I, mm-hmm. There's a little bit of a trigger warning here for <laughs> animal stuff. So he cared for this baby cow as a pet. And then one he day... He bought it. He got yeah, it. He saved up he his money. He saved up all of his money and bought it. Wanted it as specifically a pet. Yeah. He came home from school one day and then found that his parents had had slaughtered the calf while he was away and that like really stuck with him it really affected him and it like anybody that was close to him knew of this story because he just repeated it to anyone who was willing to listen and i i mean that would fuck me up for sure oh yeah i i cannot imagine it's very sad mm, 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 mm-mm-mm Something else that I found interesting, though, is it's kind of a side note, but the farm that the Pictons owned was neighboring a property where an insane asylum was established back in like the early 1900s. And this place was called Essendale. They put a lot of their patients to work on the properties and the farms in the surrounding area. It's not really confirmed, but one of those properties could have been the Picton farm. Hmm. So in the 1950s, a sister and a brother from one of the doctor's houses was playing in the water and they found a dead patient floating in the water. I also saw that between a 30 year span, close to 3000 people died in custody of this asylum and they were buried on the property with headstones all around. 3,000 people. Gosh, what? Yeah, they had like 600 people at a time in this place, but they were in operation for like decades. So Uh, they had all these like headstones everywhere from the bodies that they were burying. And they removed over half of those headstones in the 70s and converted the graveyard into a park. Because why not? (laughs) So then, um, if the if they had bodies that were unclaimed by 1958, they would give those bodies to the University of British Columbia to be used as um, anatomy like, cadavers. Yeah. And there were rumors that the hospital staff had some sort of arrangement with the Pictons to dispose of any of the bodies that were too mangled to be used by medical students because, I mean, this is an asylum in the 1900s. They were performing all sorts of crazy things that on these poor people. Episode. 
Absolutely. So there were reports of children being submerged in water until the brink of drowning, <laughs> having their teeth pulled out. And then a survivor of Essendale came out later in life, recalling an incident of being tied to a toilet and having hot boiling water poured on his genitals. Uh, yeah. Like, for what why? reason? <laughs> for what reason? So I guess a lot of the children in the asylum, they were also used in like genetic research. They were subjected to drug experiments. So when I was reading this in my mind, I'm thinking maybe that's where Willie got the idea to feed people to his pigs because they were giving the bodies of these patients to the Picton family to dispose of. That's an interesting but theory. We'll get into that later. Yeah. So the Picton parents, Louise and Leonard, they pass away in their late 70s or in the late 70s. Sorry. After this, Willie inherits the farm. Can we just pause for a second? Before yeah. I, can we talk about the mom for just a second? Um, and what kind of woman she was. You mean her, her beard? Her bald head and beard <laughs> and no, and her just gum smile. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, she did have no teeth. <laughs> Or she was missing quite a, quite a bit. I don't know if she had no uh, teeth. No, but, but it was uh, definitely um, a whole lot of gum. Yeah, she she had, like, almost no hair, but would still, like, tie the strands up in, like, some type of contraption. I don't know. And then uh, she was known around town for being a bearded lady. She had stubble on her chin. And she took pride in it. I guess. So, like, yeah, good well, for you, her. You go, girl. Yeah. Okay, I just <laughs> wanted to add that. <laughs> After his parents die, Willie inherits the farm. And a lot of his workers said that Willie was just, like... I mean, obviously, he's disgusting. Not just in his childhood with how he was being treated, but this carried over into adulthood, too. Like, he would not bathe. He just was stanky like cleaning is not a thing for them oh it doesn't even occur like to them no like they were there were reports of like feces being smeared even on the ceiling of the trailer that he lived in like how the first of all how the fuck does it get up there and then smeared like what i don't know i don't know i don't know so he was disgusting, and then a lot of them also said that he did really disturbing things, like uh, cutting the penis of a pig off and wearing it as a the belt, belt. Oh my thinking God, it was right? funny, and then like also grabbing guts out of oh dead God. pigs yeah, and chasing book, people around. Right? So they're like, he had a he had an odd sense of humor. Yeah, no, that's that's <laughs> throwing funny. guts. That's very. Uh, very odd, niche. in my opinion. Um, that's, yeah. It's a very niche sense of humor. So, um, oh god, and he was also known by sometimes using a nail gun to to kill some of the farm animals. And, and not just, like your standard, I don't know what it's called, but like how you actually, how like reputable farmers do it. It's, yeah. It's like a nail gun, but more for the purpose of what it's for. Yeah, it's definitely not like a 
I don't even know what they would call it's that. Just, but it's just fucky. There was another story from a woman named Karen Kaufman. Karen was introduced to uh, Willie's brother, Dave, mm-hmm. through her sister. The two of them became really good friends. And she noticed that Willie was kind of strange, but she just thought, like, oh, he's probably just a loner. Like, he'd just hang out in the basement by himself. No big deal. And at their property, they'd always throw these huge parties. And Dave had, like, a lot of buddies in the um, Hell's Angels, which was, like, a huge biker gang back in the day. So one night at one of these parties, Willie's brother Dave takes Karen and his then-girlfriend, Kathy, down to the basement to see Willie's room. Oh, yeah. Which, I guess he had, like, a mounted horse head on his wall. His name was Goldie. Yeah, was it his... Childhood horse? Yes. Or just a horse he loved, whatever. He loved that horse. So he taxidermied its head and hung it on his wall. That's completely normal. (laughs) Taxidermy. Goldie. (laughs) Don't ever leave me. Taxidermy freaks me out. I don't know why, but just gives me bad vibes. Mm -hmm. So while they're inside his room... I guess another thing they saw was that his mattress just had, like, a black streak right down the middle. <laughs> what are you doing? I guess I didn't wipe well enough. <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to say. I just spit all over myself. <laughs> but, oh, God, I can't even imagine. Freaking nasty. So, <laughs> Willie comes home, sees them inside of his room, and he, like, freaks out. He spits in Kathy's face and starts threatening to kill her. And then, and like that encounter just completely changed Karen's view of Willie. She's like, all right, he's, he's not just a loner. No, he's, (laughs) there's something wrong here. (laughs) And then at dinner that night, Willie again just became enraged and threw an entire glass of milk at Karen's face. Like glass and all. Right at her face. Like he... There are multiple events where I'm like, he really just thinks he can do whatever the fuck he wants. Blows my mind. So, Karen also commented how um, Willie's German Shepherd was super aggressive and Willie would feed it raw meat. But one of the days that he was feeding the dog, Karen noticed that the meat looked really strange. She described it as dark and stringy. And she also remembered that Willie would never use his own pigs for any of the big, like, barbecues that they were putting on, and then would always come up with some excuse, like, oh, the pigs are sick, whatever. And I guess at this time, there were rumors circulating that not only was the pig meat not really meat, but that the brothers were making snuff films. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is horrifying to think about altogether because they supply a lot of meat to all of Canada. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so, yeah, after that, Karen and Kathy, obviously, they refused to eat any meat from the Picton farm. And then shortly after that, Karen stopped going there. Smart. Kathy, she did stay at the farm and she lived with Dave because, again, they're dating Um, she was helping work on the farm, so she hired a babysitter to watch after her kids for her, and then one day this babysitter just vanished into thin air. Nobody knows what happened to her. Kathy did report her missing, but the brothers just shrug it off as, like, her being a drifter, and the police do nothing about it. 
which is a recurring theme in this whole story. And then soon after this, Kathy left the farm. Around the time that these rumors were circulating about the pygmy in the snuff films, Willie struck up a friendship with a guy who worked at a rendering plant. And he would bring loads of unusable animal parts to this place. So maybe you should clarify, because... Before this case, I had no idea what a rendering plant was. Yeah, so I have it written down. So, um... (laughs) (laughs) Just panic overcame my body really quick. I don't know why. So, yeah, like, it's it's, it's a place where people bring, like, unusable animal parts. Like feathers and hair. Yeah, exactly. Hooves and stuff like that. They render it down into things that they can used to make like Lip gelatin gloss. makeup candy like all, all types of stuff. products that mm-hmm. we use every day you put on our bodies or in our bodies yeah so willie though because he went there so often and had become friends with a lot of the guys there uh they just stopped questioning him like because normally you would pull up and, and they like, like check your shit check your barrels make sure it's stuff Everything that they is... actually take yeah. yeah and then they like sort through stuff before they just fucking dump it into this whatever it is Mm -hmm. so he would just like pull up and they'd wave him through and you know after everything he's doing on this farm which we'll find out later who who knows what's in those barrels uh what we we do not want it on our lips or in our body that's 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 right for sure Mm mm-hmm And then sometimes the employees from the rendering plant, they also offered some type of service where they'd come to your place and pick up the barrels of waste that you wanted to get rid of. And one of the workers later came forward saying that he showed up at the farm. When he looked inside this barrel that Willie wanted to be rendered, there was actual meat in there, which was strange because, again, like... You only do, like, leftovers and stuff, like hair and Right, like, you're supposed to sell that. Yeah, the meat is, like... That's what you... You keep that stuff. That's what you're doing it for. And the guy, he said that the meat was black and was in large portions. So, it kind of matches Karen's description of the meat that Willie was feeding to his dogs. So, there's some parallels here. It was pretty obvious to everyone in their lives that Willie and Dave did not get along. So, one night... The two of them, they get into this huge fight and Dave kicked Willie out of the house, which <laughs> Willie sleeps on a freezer in the park for months. Like, he just takes it? Like, what? <laughs> Don't even put up it's a like, fight. Fine. Like, well, well, shit. <laughs> Let me go get my blanket. What the fuck? I don't know. He's so weird. He is so weird. So he's literally sleeping on a freezer in the barn for months. Like, literal months. And Dave, I guess he feels bad about this. <laughs> so, like, I didn't think you'd actually take it. <laughs> right? So Dave purchases, he, he like, does um, demolitions right. and stuff on the side. And he purchases a bunch of trailers for his demolition business. And he gives Willie one of these trailers to live on the property so that they can have space from each other. So at this point, Willie's in the trailer and Dave is in the farmhouse. Around the same time, Willie's also starting to help out with Dave's demolition business and moved his trailer to a site that they were working at in North Vancouver. Because he's like, might as well work and sleep in the same place. <laughs> like, what? Who Econo- does that? Economics. <laughs> it, it just is so strange. So 
now he's living on the site where he's working. And because of the location of being in North Vancouver, he's very close to the downs, the downtown east side of Vancouver. Mm-hmm. And this area was known for being home to a lot of drug users and sex workers. It's the 80s. And I saw that during this time, there were like three to 4,000 drug users mm-hmm. in the east side area. Isn't that what it's called? East side? Yeah. Downtown east side area. Yeah. Yeah. So when these women started disappearing, the police didn't do much about it. They just assumed that they were transients. And a lot of the women were indigenous, Mm -hmm. which is another marginalized group that they could give zero fucks about, Mm -hmm. unfortunately. So now that Willie's hanging out in this area, there's a record number of sex workers disappearing. But absolutely nothing's being done about it. (sighs) Pisses me off. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This catches the attention of Kim Pemberton. Yes. Kim was a police reporter for the Vancouver Sun. Um, them and their colleague, Neil Hall, were adamant to get police to take the disappearance of these indigenous women seriously. So they were writing about these cases. They were going around interviewing these women's families and really just trying to like humanize them as best as they could. Because at this point... People give zero fucks about, firstly, indigenous women, and then secondly, indigenous women who happen to be sex workers and possible drug addicts. Right. Because their deaths are not relevant to them. So the two of them together, they're trying to bring as much attention to these women as possible. And in 1987, a task force was organized and thus Project Amelia was born. They agreed to investigate at least 17 disappearances in the area, but by 1989, so literally like two years into it, they'd pretty much given up on it. (laughs) Up until this point, the police only really knew of the Picton brothers because of some stolen vehicles, like stupid shit. And as far as they were concerned, they were more preoccupied trying to catch another serial killer in the area Mm -hmm. that preyed on children, and his name was Clifford Olson. Mm -hmm. He lived in Coquitlam and his killing spree lasted 18 months. What's crazy about this to me is that one of Clifford's victims that survived is thought to have later been killed by Willie Picton. But it's never been proven. That is a cruel fucking joke. Yeah. Wow. And then um, up until Willie's arrest, Clifford Olson was actually the worst serial killer in Canadian history. That's crazy that they that it was going on at the same time. It is crazy, but like that time period overall. I, that's what I was gonna say. Is like, it, I mean, it was the eighties, you know. And Gary Ridgeway, like, yeah, wasn't he in Washington State? Yeah, Seattle Green yeah. River Killer mm-hmm. was forty six victims, I think. Um, and yeah. the same, same, very similar to Willie. Willie's yeah. case. Yeah, weren't there like some victims that they aren't sure if it was. Willie or the Green River Killer. Right. They they weren't sure if it happened to be someone else. And because, right, it was, like, around that same time yeah. that Gary was um, active. But, you know, no one really knows at yeah. this point. Another little side note here, and this is about Dave. Mm-hmm. So he was working as a contractor on a construction site. 
also on that site was a woman that was working as a flag girl, which, by the way, I used to be a flag girl. <laughs> Wait, <clears throat> what is a flag girl? A flag girl? They're the ones that hold the stop sign. Oh, for construction? Yeah, like if the road is closed, they hold like a stop or a slow sign. Why do they call it a fucking sign? flag? I'm thinking of like high school. <laughs> I will. <laughs> um, what do they call those? Those are not flag girls. Those are, what are they called? I don't know. I no, think I'm I, a flag girl, though. <laughs> I think they call it flag girl because, like, we're we're responsible for setting up the signs that say, like, road construction ahead or whatever, and we have to put flags on the signs before mm. we stand out with okay. the stop sign. Okay. I don't know. Whatever. That's just my theory, but... <laughs> so, yeah, anyways, Dave had somehow gotten this girl into a construction trailer and sexually assaulted her. She did go to police, but before the trial had even begun, Dave started sending some of his friends from the Hell's Angel to her house to intimidate her. Mm -hmm. She did still follow through, and he was found guilty, but was literally... This fucking pisses me off. He was literally just fined $1,000 and put on... um, (laughs) Sent home on probation. $1,000. Ugh. Just... The justice system is just gross. Right. Right. You got money. You're fine. Because, so we're we're back to Willie now. Mm-hmm. He inherits the farm. A bunch of these women are disappearing. Most of them are sex workers struggling with drug abuse. And as you can imagine, like, because they're, they're just making desperate choices, a lot of them. Yeah. Um, he's offering to pay them a lot of money. To go back to the farm. Because he has, he's loaded. Yeah, because he of has the land lots of money. Exactly. Off. He sold off a lot of land after his parents passed away to developers. So because these women, they have this need to get high. They're not making the best decisions either because they are high. They're under the influence or. They're withdrawing. They're and, just desperate to yeah. like get a fix because yeah. exactly they're experiencing those symptoms. So. Let's start with a woman who went by the street name Stitch. Oh, yeah. It's a... <sighs> this story. You can't, you can't start anywhere else. Yeah. All right. So, Stitch was a 30-year-old mother of two. She had fallen into sex work to support her drug addiction, which you'll find is the story with a lot of these women. She met Willie in March of 1997 and charged him $100 to take her back to the farm. When she gets into his car, she notices a bra on his seat, and then she asks him about it, and he just said, like, oh, that's from last week's last date. Last week's date, yeah. And she's like, all right, whatever. She kind of has a weird feeling about it, but, you know, they're already in this. I mean, so. right. It's already a weird situation. Exactly. I mean, Willie himself Willie. is, is right. weird, right? Right. So, so they get to the farm. Willie brings her into his trailer, and as he's escorting her through to the back room, she notices a large butcher knife sitting on the table. Which is like, okay. I mean, there's shit everywhere. I mean, this place is literally a pigsty. So, she doesn't think much of it, but she just kind of stores it away in Mm -hmm. the back of her head. So, they get to the room in the back of the trailer, and (laughs) there's no bed. There's literally just a roll of clear plastic and a sleeping bag. On the floor. Casual. Yeah, so then she's like, okay, well, maybe my intuition is right. So then she asks to use his phone Mm -hmm. to call her boyfriend. 
she says that she wants to let him know where she's at. She'll be home soon. And at this time, her and her boyfriend are staying in a hotel room. But Willie, he's he's like, nah, you're not going to use my phone. But he does let her use his phone book to look up the hotel's number so that she can call later, maybe from, like, a payphone or something. So she's bent over Willie's table. She's looking at the phone directory to try and find the number for this hotel. And Willie comes up from behind her. He caresses her left hand, which, like, gives me, makes me gag. And then he suddenly slaps a handcuff on her wrist. And at this point, she knows she has to act quick. And she remembers that butcher knife on the table. I saw an interview that she gave where she, like, just blatantly admitted, like, yeah, I was trying to kill him. Yeah. You know, she's, yeah, she's fighting uh, for her life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was either her or him at this point. So from that room in the back of the trailer, after he puts these handcuffs, well, not even these hands, handcuffs, he puts one handcuff on her wrist. Right. She starts fighting, like, hard. Mm-hmm. She's punching and kicking and Willie's doing the same to her and she's just like walking backwards to that table. She reaches behind her and grabs the knife and once she gets a hold of it, she slashes him in the face in the throat. She actually cut his jugular. I did not know yeah. that. What? Yeah, she struck his jugular vein. And he and he didn't <laughs> die, what? right? I don't I have no idea, but so, she said after this, Willie grabbed a rag and put it over his throat, saying, quote, You fucking bitch, you got me good. <laughs> okay, uh, Willie. <laughs> At this point, oh my she, doesn't, she doesn't know why, but she blacks out. And then when she comes to, she's outside the trailer still fighting him. And then Willie blacks out because of blood loss. Oh, uh, yeah. She takes off running. So as she's making a run for it, she recalls feeling a warm liquid running down her chest. She's also been stabbed. She makes it out to the road. She sees a house across the street and she runs up to this house. She's banging on the door, but no one's answering. So she's trying to break the window open. Like she's desperate to Mm -hmm. get away. And then thankfully she sees a set of headlights. I can only imagine the feeling of relief that must have come over her. I can only imagine the feeling of being the driver in that car. Oh, my God. And having a... She was naked, right? I don't even know. I, I thought that's what I read. That she's... I don't know. She still had the knife in her hand, though. I know yeah. that. Because All the driver, bloody. like, made her drop it before getting yeah. in the car. Yeah. Yeah, so inside this car is an elderly couple. She's flagging them down, screaming, help me. And the man jumps out of the car and lets her in. He says that he could literally see her intestines coming out of her stomach. That is, like, oh my god. I can't even, I don't even want to picture that. So, once she gets into the car, she points at the farm and she says, if I die, the guy who lives there in the trailer did it. Mm -hmm. And then they take her, I don't think they take her directly to the hospital, I think... The passenger calls the hospital Mm. on her cell phone, which I didn't even know they had cell phones at this time, but I guess they do. Well, they're in a rich area with a bunch of doctors and then the pig farm. (laughs) And and then Willie's house. (laughs) But yeah, so I think they call um, 
And then an ambulance meets them. And then she's taken to the hospital. So Willie, he's still back at his trailer, but he hops in his truck and he starts driving himself to the hospital. But the hospital he drove to was too small to deal with, like, the extent of his injuries. So they transfer him to the same hospital where his victim was taken. Unbelievable. So this woman, Stitch, she had been stabbed four times. One of the wounds went through her stomach and punctured a lung. She had lost three liters of blood. She had no pulse when she arrived at the oh hospital. Oh, my word. And she remained unconscious in the hospital for four days after this. So, obviously, while she's there, the nurses notice the handcuff on her wrist. And while Willie's getting treated at the same hospital, they found a key. In, in his, his pocket. pocket. And it just so happens to match the handcuff that's on this woman's wrist. So he was actually charged with attempted murder, assault with a weapon, and forcible confinement. Willie tried to claim that he had brought this woman back to his place. She pulled the knife on him and tried to steal $200 from him. And the charges were never pursued because they considered this woman... It was She was considered unreliable. Yeah, she was considered too unstable to testify in court because she was a drug user and a sex worker. So her credibility was challenged and nothing ever came of it. Can you, like, uh, nothing. How is that, how's that possible? I, I mean, have the staff of the hospital, I mean, you, that's just, that's, that's not a coincidence. No. Well, the thing is, too, is they even took, like, his clothing right. and stuff like that at the hospital and held it in evidence, but they never tested it for anything until after he had already been arrested for murder, mm-hmm. for all of the murders that he committed. Yeah. And then they found DNA of women that had gone missing years before. Like, so it's now 1998. Police start to notice that they're not running into the same women that they usually see Mm -hmm. out on the street. And one police officer in particular, his name is Dave Dixon, he starts looking into this. He's trying to see if any of these women have been picking up their social assistance checks. Right. Or if there's any record of them in any of the boarding houses, but there's nothing. When he notices that these women aren't collecting their checks, he knows something's wrong. And then he puts together a list of 30 missing women. And this is just in 98. Mm-hmm. So Dave Dixon, he goes up the chain of command because he now, I mean, he believes at this point that he has evidence that something's happening to these women. Like, they're not just moving to another city. Like, there's way too right. many for this right. to just be nothing. So he goes to his sergeant about his concern, and they start to realize, okay, there's a serial killer. But unfortunately, they have no bodies. There are no crime scenes. Like, where do you even start? Right. You know? So fast forward to 1999, women are continuing to disappear, and at this point, Police start looking into men with a known history of abuse or murder against sex workers. And 
Willie is on that list. Because they put him in like three categories, right? Priority one is like living in or like very close to Vancouver and also had some sort of history of uh, violence against women kind of ordeal. And then the second one was like any history of violence against women but not in Vancouver. And then the third was like, they don't fit into the first two, but we should we should still check them out kind of thing. Do you know what category Willie was in? All I know is that he hit everything. So yeah, I'm, I that's I take that as number one. I mean, they know about his run in with Stitch, mm-hmm. so that's why he's on the list to begin with. Yeah. But sadly, he's not the only one. They have a very very long list of men. But in the summer of 1999, police receive a tip from one of Willie's associates named Ross. Ross claims that he's heard a disturbing story from a woman named Lynn Ellingson. Lynn lived on the farm and she performed odd jobs for Willie. She also drove around with him to help him find sex workers to bring back to the farm. And Lynn told Ross that she had seen Willie cutting away at something and it was not a pig. Because Ross was also addicted to drugs, police didn't think he had any credibility either. And it's hearsay. Right. They do ask him to come in and give a statement, mm-hmm. but when he showed up, he was he was high. Mm-hmm. So, they of course... <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> My insides are revolting. <laughs> It's the image of Willie, isn't it? (laughs) So, yeah, he shows up high to this interview, and so they, of course, they don't believe him. Well, I feel like you can't put too much credit if you come in that state of mind. Like, oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. As unfortunate as it it is. Yeah. So, police then go to Lynn to see if they could get the story straight from her. At this point, she had already moved away, so she wasn't living on the farm anymore. And during her interview, Lynn said that Ross was a liar. She denied having ever seen or said anything like that. And she got up and walked out of the interview. And because she wasn't being detained, they, they can't do anything hold about her. It. Right. Lynn does agree to take a polygraph test. And then vanishes. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't show up. All right. Lynn, she later claimed that the reason she didn't come forward and tell the truth about what she'd actually seen that day was because she was scared she'd get in trouble because she blackmailed Willie for drugs. Yes. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. That's it. But if she... Oh, this just... Oh, makes me so angry. If she would have come forward mm-hmm. at that time, mm-hmm. it would have saved two more years of Willie's killing spree and at least at least 11 more women's lives. That's fucking crazy. So... Even though police couldn't get Lynn to admit all of this at the time, it still gave them enough of a reason to set up surveillance on Willie. Lynn did later come forward to testify at Willie's trial. And here's the story of what she says actually happened on that day. Lynn accompanied Willie downtown to find a sex worker, as she had done many times before. She Which, said, let me just say, that is... that." irks me to my core such a sleazy thing to do because 
it wasn't just Lynn, but like multiple women had done this for Lily and they'd always be like, well, I promise I'm going to be there. So nothing's going to happen to you. And then they'd fucking die. Yeah. Who the, who, how can you lay your head on your pillow at night? Because, uh, you know, obviously, and that's how a lot of serial killers or just ill-intentioned people yeah, get can away. Can take advantage because, of Because, you know, right, there's, if there's a woman there, you all, you naturally get that sense of like, okay, well, she's here. Like, she's trust. fine. Yeah. 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 There's mutual respect for women, but uh, apparently so not. fucked up. Yeah. And it pisses me I off know. to my core. Like, <sighs> she says that she remembers him stopping his truck. A girl came up to the window and agreed to come back to the farm if Lynn would also be there. And Lynn says, yeah, I'll be there too. Everything's cool. So this girl hops in the truck and the three of them go to pick up drugs. It's also important to note that Willie never did drugs, never drank. He just supplied everything. Exactly. Yeah. So they go and get drugs. They get back to Willie's trailer and Lynn and this woman start doing drugs together. After this, Willie calls the woman back into his room and Lynn goes to her room. Lynn says that she heard a noise and then just had this weird feeling come over her. She goes out of her room and Willie's bedroom door is cracked open. She peeks inside, but there's no one in there. As she's looking around, she sees clothes thrown around. She walks back out into the main part of the trailer and she sees out of the corner of her eye a light. And it's coming from the barn. Mm -hmm. And it's the same light that Willie always puts on when he's butchering the pigs. So she starts to walk out towards the barn and pushes the door open and sees a woman hanging from the ceiling on a meat hook. With red fingernails. Yeah. Willie jumps out from behind the barn door, grabs her, and a court... I mean, this is all according to Lynn, of course. Mm -hmm. He grabs her and says... Quote, if you ever say anything, you'll be right beside her. So Lynn promises not to say a word and says, like, oh, I just want money for drugs, Mm -hmm. man. Like, Mm -hmm. don't worry about it. Yeah. And Lynn's description of that woman matches that of uh, a woman who went missing around the same time. And it was an indigenous woman. I just can't, for some reason, I kept going back to listen to the book and I could not figure out who like what her name was they said it in the book but i couldn't figure it out it's it's unfortunately so hard because there's so many yeah exactly we know that willie he struggled with his dating life but (laughs) can relate (laughs) but he actually had a woman in his life that he supposedly adored and that woman was gina houston oh the the uh what, what did she say? What did she claim herself to be? Like, something like the best crack whore around? She did say that, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, Gina was indeed addicted to crack. She kind of hung around Willie because he would help her fuel her addiction by giving her money. Yeah. Um, according to Gina, though, the two of them had talked about getting married and Willie had supposedly even proposed to her her reaction uh, <laughs> made me not- literally, <laughs> literally laugh out loud so she they were driving on their way home he pulls out a ring and her response was 
no. What the fuck do I want another ring for? <laughs> so that's lovely. But I, I did hear that she would call herself uh, Gina Picton from yeah, time to time. Like, like what? Just very confusing. I have no idea. I think she was confused. <laughs> I think so, too. So Gina was another woman that was known to help supply Willie with sex workers. Mm-hmm. And during his surveillance, police saw him with Gina's 13-year-old daughter in his truck, which there are a lot of children around this man. He liked being around children. Don't don't like it. Mm-mm. So, yeah, they see they see him with Gina's daughter. And other than this, he's not going anywhere. He's not doing anything. So police are like, oh, he's probably on to us. And they call off the surveillance. But one day, Willie showed up at police headquarters unannounced. And he had Gina with him. I guess he brought Gina because she had experience with police. And Willie agreed to do an interview That interview was six and a half hours long, but even after all of that, they had absolutely nothing on him. He pretty much said he was just there to clear up his name. He even invited them back to the farm to have a look around out of the hopes that they'd get off his back. And it worked. I mean, police ended up arresting another man who had a past of assaulting sex workers. And at one point, they even thought that an American man named Robert Gates was possibly this serial killer. Mm, interesting. This, he killed nine sex workers in Washington state. But in the months following that, women continued to disappear. One night in November 2001, while on the phone with Willie, Gina said she could hear a scuffle involving a woman. So the next day, she shows up at the Picton farm to pick up a pig that Willie had butchered for her, but she said that things just felt weird. Mm -hmm. She walked over to the freezer and glanced over at Willie, who she said had a tear in his eye. He began shaking his head and just said, don't. You can't tell me this woman didn't know what he was up to. So we're going to talk about Lisa now. I watched a documentary about this. Uh, the pig farm? Yeah. Yeah. I, it irritates the fuck out of me. All these fucking women do. They Yeah, they're and, really awful. Just uh, awful humans. It makes me so mad. I feel like it just makes me so much more angry. Like, when, like, sexual predators. Like, I'm obviously pissed when, like, it's a man, anyone. But then when it's a woman, I'm, like, so much more offended. Well, yeah, because they should know how yeah. it feels. Right. You know, it's just especially helping a man do that too. like you that could that could be you. You know what I mean? Like you ever put yourself in anyone else's position and like, have you ever felt threatened? Have you ever? Yeah, they don't. I mean, sadly, their addiction is more important to them than other people's lives. But I I, I just it just. Yeah. Makes me... I feel ya. So, another woman that Willie was really close with was a woman named Lisa Yelds. Lisa was Willie's best friend, and 
After the whole stabbing incident with Stitch, Lisa was there for him to take care of him. She cleaned up his trailer, all that good stuff. And what's funny to me, though, is that Lisa, she never told Willie this, but she, Lisa's, she's kind of like us in the sense that she is fascinated by true crime. And her, her favorite serial killer, for lack of a better mm-hmm. words, was Ed Gein. Mm. Which is a whole other episode. I remember, yeah, okay, yep. Yeah. Yep. Ed Gein. That he reminded her. Yeah. Like, so, I guess she collected, like, any book that she could find on Ed Gein. She had two walls worth of her apartment covered in a huge bookshelf of just books on Ed Gein. Like, she was fascinated by this man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She never told Willie Liss, like I said, but she said that Willie reminded her of Ed Gein. I'm just gonna say, if you have a friend... And they remind you of Ed Gein. Or any serial killer, for that matter. (laughs) Maybe rethink (laughs) your life decisions. (laughs) Rethink your friendships. (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, she even said that in the back of her mind, she always thought that maybe Willie could be a serial killer. But she said that at no point was she ever scared of him. Lucky you, I guess. I don't fucking know. Yeah, so police receive a call from a man named... Bill Hiscock. Hiscox. <laughs> I knew I was gonna fuck that up. There's some really like there's Hiscox, there's Scott Chubb. Yeah. <laughs> like this whole Who named thing, these people? <laughs> I don't know. I mean I get it, it's your last name. You don't really have a choice, but Oh golly. So I'm just going to call him Bill because I can't. I'm going to say it again. So police receive a call from a man named Bill. And Bill told them about a pig farmer named Willie. He said that he knew a woman on the farm that was a friend of his. And this woman had told Bill that Willie had women's clothing with bloodstains on them. And also had ID cards belonging to several women. And that Willie had even asked her to help with burning some of these clothing. And the woman who Bill got this information from was Lisa Yelp. But when police asked her about this, Lisa denied everything. She said, quote, I didn't see anything. You give a cop an inch, they take a mile. And they turn around they turn it around Sunday or something. Yeah. What the fuck was her quote? I don't, I don't know. So because she won't talk. Just like Lynn, mm-hmm. all of this was considered hearsay and still was not enough to warrant a right. search of his property. Right. So another story comes from a man named Andy Bellwood. Andy was previously a heroin addict who had just gotten out of rehab, and he was introduced to Willie through, I, I believe, Gina introduced them. Mm. So, Willie offered Andy some odd jobs to help him get back on his feet, and the two of them became close friends. Andy was staying in Willie's trailer for about a month, but their relationship got weird all of a sudden. Imagine that. (laughs) (laughs) So one night, Andy's sitting in a chair watching TV when Willie comes in the door behind him and he sits down on the corner of the bed and starts asking Andy if he wants to hire uh, a woman from the east side. Yeah. 
Andy tells him no, but Willie's, like, continuously trying to convince him. And then Andy said that at that point, Willie got up from the bed, grabbed a belt, a piece of wire, and handcuffs, got onto his knees, and started pretending that there was a woman in front of him. It's like, you want to know what I do now? <sighs> he... This is so? just so weird. Uh, it's, it's gross, and it's, like... Like, how did this man not get uh, caught any sooner? He's exhibiting very strange behavior. Like, very concerning. Very concerning. I'm just gonna... I'm just gonna... You don't want a prostitute? Well, let me show you what you're missing out on. Yeah, like, what the fuck, Willie? He's... Uh, I, I just... I can't. I, I have no words for this man. I really don't. So, yeah, he's trying to convince him, I guess, by doing this. Uh, he starts to pretend that he's stroking a woman's hair, grabs her arm, and then puts handcuffs on this imaginary woman. He then grabs his belt and motions it like he's placing it around this imaginary woman's neck. And he's saying stuff like, it's going to be all right. It's all over now. He is creepy. Is, it's like... Ugh, ultimate chills. Oh, just what? dries me up like a desert. <laughs> I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> oh my god, it's just so gross. It'll all be over soon. So disgusting. <laughs> so Andy says that Willie then sat back down and said, quote, You wouldn't believe how much people bleed. I hang them in the barn and gut them. Four days after this, two of Willie's associates grab Andy and said they want to talk to him in the trailer. So he goes in, sits down, and then these guys just start beating the shit out of him. Mm -hmm. And they start accusing him of stealing equipment. And Andy, like, today, he says that he thinks this was a scared yeah. tactic yeah. to try to make sure he never opened his mouth about this. And so Andy, he caught the next ferry to Vancouver. And he never reported it. So... There's that. Unfortunately, it wouldn't be until 2002 when police finally had what they needed to search the Picton farm. And it would be the largest crime scene in Canadian history, costing over $70 million and producing 200,000 DNA samples, 600,000 exhibits, like documents. Pictures. Objects. Yes. And they sifted through 383,000 cubic yards of soil. That's a lot. How Oi. long did it take them again? Didn't it take them like fucking years? I, I want to say five, but I, I don't want to say like... I think I wrote it down somewhere. No, I didn't. I just said years. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. That's about right. <laughs> this is going to be our first two-parter. Look at that. Aww. Wow. It's just so much. Yeah. It's I so mean, much, and I feel like it's all very important. So I don't want to I mean, leave anything out. Well, I mean, we are leaving a shit ton of stuff out, right? Like, listen to oh, 25 yeah. hours worth of audio book. Yeah. Oh, yeah, which, by the way, documentary and want to learn more. On the Farm. By Stevie. Stevie. <laughs> <laughs> You're so creepy. <laughs> Her name's Stevie. Um, I love that name. It's a good name. For a girl. For a girl, specifically. Yeah. Uh, Cameron? 
Stevie Cameron. Cameron. Right. It's, I think they're a journalist. There's just so much information. Like, overwhelming. Right. But it's very intriguing, I think. And it just, yeah, I mean, it it puts a whole nother perspective on the case. yeah. Yeah. Um, well, that is where we have to end it for today. Oh, so if you want to see part here. two or yep. here, part two. Early. Early. <laughs> before Wednesday at 5 a.m. Then find it on our Patreon. Find it on our Patreon. Yeah. Come on over. <laughs> to the dark side. <laughs> yeah. Oddities on Elm Street. With you looking like the hot mama you are. We need to take Mm. pictures together. Okay. Like good ones. Like top notch. Like they were done by a photographer. Uh. But they won't won't be. (laughs) Probably by your mom. (laughs) Probably by Penny. (laughs) Yeah, so if you're interested in hearing part two sooner than everybody else gets to, then... Go to Patreon, search Oddities on Elm Street, or click the link in the description, because I'll have it there, too. And I can't, you know, those bloopers, I tell you what, (laughs) um, I think we're fucking hilarious. (laughs) We're a little biased, though, you know, because it's me and you, so we'll have to see what everybody else thinks, I guess. Well, I mean, yeah, you have to pay money to see that. (laughs) Yeah, that's going to convince them. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, Well, thank you for being here. And remember to always always keep keep it spooky. spooky.